Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. We're going to be, for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about valuable lessons from the valley. Say that with me. Valuable lessons from the valley. Now, just upon looking at the title of this series, you can pretty much get the gist of what we're going to be talking about because all of us have valleys. However, you can capitalize on, a, on certain things or what I tend to call nuggets for living in your valleys because turnarounds ride in on the wings of turmoil. And sometimes those learning moments that you get when you're going through some things are the best ones because you don't forget them. Hello, somebody. And so uh, for this series, uh, we got a new hashtag. It's hard to see it down here, but you'll probably see it on the next slide. We've got a new hashtag that I want you to use if you're sending out comments about the message or even during the service. I'm going to give you some, some nice little one-liners that you can put out on Facebook. I Please do that. I love that kind of stuff. We're going to use social media because technology is here to be used. Amen? That's how people get familiarized with the church. They said, man, I want to go there because they be using stuff in church. I like that. So amen. So the hashtag is C3 Lessons from the Valley. Hashtag C3 Lessons from the Valley. That's the hashtag we're going to use. Amen. So this valley that we're talking about um, on today, um, I actually call this the Valley of Pitfalls. The Valley of Pitfalls. And so that's what we're going to learn today. But let me just give you some more information about um, what we're going to talk about and lot. Uh, when I began to study this out in the Bible, I discovered seven different valleys that I wanted to share with you today. Now, I think there are other valleys. There may be a total of about nine different valleys in the Bible. But we're going to talk about seven different valleys because I believe that those valleys have some key tools that we can glean from to show us that we can go through our valleys, but we can learn some valuable things as we go through. So this first valley is called the Valley of Sedim, the Valley of Sedim. It's also known as the Vale of Sedim. As a matter of fact, when we read in the scriptures uh, where those five kings went, the Bible declares they went to the Vale of Sedim. It's the same valley. Uh, and I believe that this valley represents pitfalls for a couple of reasons. First of all, this area where this valley was, was right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, all right, good. So it was right next to, now, now if that wasn't a pitfall, I don't know what was a pitfall. Okay, I'm going to just keep preaching. And so also, also, this is the exact same area as the Dead Sea. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is this, this valley. So those tar pits that was mentioned in Scripture, they were filled with a highly flammable natural petroleum. Um, and that, that is why one of the reasons that when the very next day after Sodom and Gomorrah was taken out or destroyed, the Bible declares that there was a smoke that went up like a furnace. Well, part of that smoke was due to this, petro this petroleum substance that was in these tar pits. Mm -hmm. So I'm just clarifying history for you to let you know that Sodom and Gomorrah actually happened. 
that this was not some cute little story that somebody just happened to place in the Bible. This actually happened, and they can prove it out by going to this area now, and when you go to the Dead Sea, it's dead. <laughs> There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. As a matter of fact, water comes in, but no water goes out. That's what happens to our lives. If we always have stuff coming in and we never put out, then we become... Oh, that's not what I'm talking about today. So let's keep on. So y'all stop asking me questions. And so, so, so we understand that this area, not only was the area really, really near Sodom and Gomorrah, it was the area where the Dead Sea was, but also this was an area that I found my friend Lot. And, and my, I like Lot because I learned from Lot's choices. Isn't it good that the Bible is true, that the Bible not only talk about all the good stuff in a person's life, but it also reveals their weaknesses? Now, 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 wait a minute. We don't like our weaknesses to be revealed, do we? I don't think I know anybody that just wants your weaknesses just written about, then everybody get to read about them. That's, it, it, no, no, I, I, you might be that way, but I, I'm not that way, right? I don't, I don't want everybody to read about all my weaknesses, but the Bible is true because you get to read about all the good stuff that they have done, but you also get an opportunity to take advantage of understanding those valuable lessons from their valleys. So my dear brother Lot here is an interesting guy. Now, when he was young, uh, he lost his father. No doubt that had to be tragic, right? You lose your father. But he also had good men in his life, like uh, Tara, who was Abraham's brother, or dad, I'm sorry. And then he also had Abraham in his life. So he, it wasn't like he didn't have some strong leaders in his life. But throughout his life, he was caught up in the present moment. Listen to me close. Throughout his life, he was caught up in the present moment that he seemed incapable of seeing the consequences of his choices. Now, I got to walk slow through this thing because you got to catch everything that I'm about to present to you in order for you to catch these valuable lessons. Now, don't you get so caught up in the present that you are incapable of seeing what God wants to take you in your future? i.e. sometimes it's not even our past that destroys us it's where we are today because where you are today might not be where you thought you would be today so you focus on today but forget about God wants to take you to tomorrow so if your mindset and if you don't have that divine expectation that God is going to bless you then it becomes more difficult to step out in faith Am I talking to somebody here this morning? So, so, so now we can't focus so much on where you are because faith says there's something about where I'm going. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, the word expectation. Faith is the substance of things I expect. And if you're not expecting anything, that's why you stay where you are. So this was one of the issues that my brother Lot was dealing with, uh, unfortunately. And so Lot faced some pretty tumultuous pitfalls in his life, mainly because of those 
choices. Mm. Now, we all know that Lot ended up in Sodom, but do you realize that's not where he started? Now y'all want to know, where did he start, Pastor? All right, so let's go to where he started. Let's go back one chapter, go to Genesis 13. Let's look at how his choices can teach us how to avoid pitfalls. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? All right. Genesis 13, verse 10. When you get there, say, I have it. So I'm going to start reading. And it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards our world. So in other words, Abram looked up. And, and let me just give you a little more background here prior to this scripture. I'm going to paraphrase for time. Uh, the Bible says that Abram had a large a livestock, group of livestock, but also Lot. As a matter of fact, the livestock had gotten so large that it was too big for the land. So the Bible says a few verses before this that the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, they begin to be at odds with one another. They begin to fight, uh, this is our territory. No, this is our territory. And so Abram says, okay, we need to separate. So when they got ready to separate, Abram went to Lot and said, which way are you going? Because I'm going the other direction. Now, Abram was the man. He was the older man. He was the one that should have gotten the best land. But Lot looked up and he saw. He saw something he wanted. And what he saw was a rich land. It was a watered land. As a matter of fact, it was so lush that the Bible compares it to the Garden of Eden. Did you see that? So now, uh, let me read you the rest of the story. Verse 11. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Verse 12, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as to Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. So the first thing that we need to understand here is this. This is vitally important, is that Lot's desires in the valley were carnal. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. So in other words, Lot positioned himself to see Sodom, but he didn't want to be close to it. Okay, let me see if I can break this down to North Carolina English. In other words, some people, they want to be just far enough from sin, but they still want to look at it. I'm not, I'm not, there, I'm not in the club, but I might have a desire to be. You're pitching your tent towards Sodom. There are a lot of people who pitch their tents towards Sodom by the way they dress. Oh, you mean to tell me that you didn't have more clothes than that in your closet? 
All you had was a rubber band and a tube top. That's all you had. And then you get upset when men whistle at you and treat you like a whore because you're dressing like one. You're pitching your tent towards Sodom. There are some people who pitch their, twi- their, their tents towards Sodom by drug use or drug abuse or sexual orientation. You're pitching your tent. Now, I might not be touching it. I might not be in it, but I just want to look at it. See, Sodom didn't start off in, I mean, a lot didn't start off in Sodom. He started off looking at it. Because I read to you in the Bible that Lot looked and he saw Sodom. See, that's the lust of the eyes. See, the lust of the eyes would tell you, you can look, it's all right. The lust of the eyes would tell any Christian man, you might as well look at her backside. You're not touching her. That's a lie of the devil because if you're looking, you're desiring. And Jesus set the record straight. He said, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've already laid down with her in the first place. I told you I got me some rest. Because, see, when you are at a resort, you see it all. Everything is hanging out at a resort. And I tell you what, I had to tighten up my rubber band a couple of times. I wasn't even trying to look. I was like, oh, God. I mean, I mean, some women dress. There's nothing to be desired. You see it all. It's just, it is so perverted looking. Right? And, 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 and they got the audacity to get upset when men treat them a certain way. Well, you're acting a certain way. Now, no woman deserves to be treated, mistreated. Hello, so let me set the record straight. But sometimes, you know, you kind of call stuff up on yourself. <laughs> he pitched his tent towards Sodom. I'm going to tell you something, saints. I don't know anyone who just falls into sin. See, you don't just fall into sin. See, see, sin don't work that way. See, sin is like leprosy. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, leprosy is not something that takes you over all at once. <laughs> Hallelujah. Leprosy starts off small. It might be a little something on your eye or, or something on your lip. And then when it's left unchecked, leprosy begins to grow. It begins to expand. It begins to metastasize. And if it's left unchecked, your arm might fall off or your nose might fall off. And then you have this repulsive smell. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, in the book of Leviticus, if you had leprosy, you had to put your hand over your mouth when people were around you, and you had to scream, unclean. That's right. That's right. That's right. Imagine when God looks down at the earth, and so many people don't even realize that they're screaming, I'm unclean, God. I'm unclean because my mouth is filthy. I'm unclean because of the way I dress. I'm unclean because of my thought life. I'm unclean because of what I'm clicking on the internet or Facebook. I'm unclean, God, because I thought about that man's wife in the wrong way. I'm unclean! 
pitching your tent towards Sodom. Nobody just fall into sin. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, lust when it's conceived, when it's conceived, when you bring it in. Lust when it's conceived. Everybody got some kind of lust in you. Lust is not bad unless you conceive it. Lust, when it's conceived, when it's brought in. I give you an example like this. This is a natural example of a spiritual reality. See, if there was a nest, a bird nest, on Pastor Tim's head, praise God, it's not. That would be nasty. So let's just say it's the nest is there. There is an opportunity. Now, a bird might see the nest. He might fly over the nest. You can't help birds from flying over the nest. But if that bird not only landed in the nest, but began to lay his eggs, not only have you allowed the thought, now you've allowed the thought to plant an egg. So in other words, now it's a seed. Now it's conceived. Because you had every opportunity to knock the thought off and take that thought captive. According to the word of God over there in the book of Corinthians, it says take every thought captive and you bring it into subjection. How do you do that when the thought comes? I praise you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over that thought right now. In the name of Jesus, you shall not take my thought life. You take that thought captive. Or you take that thought in. That's when you think about it. That's when you conceive it. Lust, when it's conceived, bring forth sin. Sin, when it's full grown. I like the translation that says sin, when it's hatched, when you give birth. See, you can't give birth unless you got a seed. And some of us, we got some seed. Lust of the eyes, lust of the eyes. See, the lust of the eyes was the catalyst that led him to his valley of pitfall. Lust, what he saw, lust of the eyes. See, listen, it was, it was the lust of the eyes that Mr. and Mrs. Adam sat there and let that serpent talk to them. It was the lust of the eyes. She saw something. She saw, oh, man, that was a beautiful tree. And the oh, oh, God, as long as the serpent talked, she stayed. Maybe Adam wasn't talking to her enough. Uh-huh. I know, I know, fellas. I know, I know our wives are wordy. I know it, I know it, I know it. God did that on purpose. He gave them words on purpose. Why? Because in all actuality, if you look at the help meet, one of the definitions of a help meet is the one who announces. See, that's why the proper place for a woman is not on my side and is not at my back. I don't need no woman pushing me to do what I know I need to do. Elaine has never had to push me to do anything that I know God had me to do. If you need a woman to push you, then... Mm-hmm. And you might be Mrs. Adam. Come here, baby. See, the proper way is not this. Because, see, if somebody attacks her back, I can't, I can't get to them. 
See, part of that is protection. And then women's lib and the feminist movement says, oh, a woman can do everything a man can do. No, you can't. I don't care how much you work out, you still can't do everything a man can do. I don't care if you got biceps like my thighs. Your anatomy says you can't do what I do. Hello, somebody. So now that side over there is left exposed. See, this is the proper position for a woman. See, right now, I got her back. You come to her back, you got to get to me. You come to her side, I'm going to cut your throat. <laughs> like my grandmama said, I'm going to cut your throat. You come to her front, I got you because I can see everything that's coming. Therefore, I know how to pray because I can see what's coming. The other position is she's the one who announces. She's not a help mate. Please scratch that translation out of your Bibles because a mate is just someone there for sex. She's not my mate. That's the problem with the church. You got too many church folks looking for mates. And they're not looking for meats. M-E-E-T. She's not my help mate. She's my help meet because she helped me meet my responsibilities. But another translation is the one who announces. See, let me tell you something. What's the position of the church? Well, is the church in front of us? On the side of us? And this is the representation right here. Or where's the church? The, the church is here because if I represent Jesus, then this is the church. Why? Because the church announces the coming of its king. Let me, let me, did you see that? So the reason she has more words is because she knows how to prophesy her man into being. She knows how to say, my king is coming based on the way she operates. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about here. See, that's why you got some women in the church don't understand the concept of marriage because they see submission as slavery, but submission is not slavery because the Bible says that we should be submitted one to another. See, that's that feminist movement that says submission is slavery because they don't read the Bible. The Bible says that you can't be submitted to the man unless the man is following Christ. Better read your word. I'll straighten some stuff up for you. So now if Mr. Adam was here and the serpent was talking to Mrs. Adam, why in the world did that brother sit back and allow a demon in his house to talk to his wife? It's a pitfall. See, when, when the man refuses, thank you, baby. When the man, come on, give her a hand. When the man refuses... 
When the man refuses to pray, when the man refuses to be the first one to worship, you are allowing stuff in your house. And you want to talk about Adam when your name is Adam. Is that making sense at all? It was the lust of her eyes. And obviously it had to be the lust of his eyes. For the Bible says she ate and gave to her husband who was with her. It wasn't like the brother walked up. What y'all doing? The brother was there the whole time. The whole time? King Saul pitched his tent towards Sodom by jealousy and rage. Drove him crazy. Couldn't even be a proper leader because he was so vexed by David. David pitched his tent towards Bathsheba. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> that brother was supposed to have been out at battle, but he was on his rooftop. And he looked down and saw that African over there. Lord have mercy. <laughs> now, not, probably not what he said, but he probably said, Yahweh mercy. <laughs> <laughs> he pitched his tent towards Bathsheba. And just like his daddy, Solomon pitched his tent towards every woman he could see. 1,100 women. How? How? That brother, he had a lot of tents. He did, boo. He had a lot of tents. How you, how you, wait a minute. Can, listen, hold on. Stop for one second. How you, how do you, fellas, where all the fellas at? Say, yeah. yeah. Fellas, I'm asking something. Ladies, just chill for a second. I got one. That's all I can handle. That's why you ain't got to ever worry about an affair with me, because I can't handle but one. Glory to God. And thank you, Jesus. 1,100 women? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they, they, call it, they didn't call it that back then. It was, I'm sure they call it something with Abraham's name in it. If you read the story of Abraham, y'all know what I'm talking about. 1,100 women. How do you... 1,100 women. That's some, that's some strong lust. Amen? You mean to tell me you're walking with a woman, you see a woman, leave that woman, go to that woman? That's basically what he had to do. Right? You're my wife. Come on. Because, you know, they didn't really have marriage. You just say, you're mine, and then boom, you, 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 you his. There was no marriage ceremony in Genesis. Adam looked, he saw, you're mine. She said, okay, I'm yours. <laughs> Why? There was no sin. So there was, there was no need to be nervous. There was no need to be leery. There was no need to be uncomfortable because they was naked and not afraid already, right? Why? There was no sin. Sin causes us to be a hypocrite. Why? Because it causes us to cover up. Revelation means to uncover. The etymology of the word hypocrite means to cover up. Is this making sense at all? 
All right, let's keep on moving in this thing. Have you been blessed thus far? So, so don't make carnal decisions when you're in your valley. The enemy is going to try you on that. You're gonna, the enemy is going to try to make you divert back to something in your past when you did, when you was in the world. Why? Because the valley is a low point in your life. And a lot of times, all you can see when you are in a pit is a wall. And as long as you're looking straight ahead, you can't see anything but a wall. You can turn this way, it's a wall. You can turn that way, it's a wall. You can turn this way, it's a wall. And you look at the floor, all you see is dirt. Everything that you came from, everything that you thought you were going to be, it never happened. Everything that you wanted to materialize, it fell apart. That's your dirt. And that's what you're standing on right here. And everything that you see out there is nothing but a wall because your perspective is in the wrong place. If you look up, it's the only way you can see yourself out of your pit. See, when you worship, you look up. Because now you're saying, God, I need your help to get me out. Hello, somebody. All right, okay, all right, let's go to the next one. So don't make carnal decisions when you are in your valley. Let me give you the next one here. Go to Genesis 19 and 1. Genesis 19 and 1. 19 and 1. Genesis 19 and 1. He says, now the two angels came. Now, of course, this is after the meeting that Abraham had with these two angels. You got to go back and read the full story, and I apologize that I don't have time to read the whole story. So I'm having to do some paraphrasing, but I hope it, it, it makes sense to you. So now, this is now after Abram had this discussion with these angels that told Abram that they were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's when Abraham had the forewithal to say and intercede for righteous people in the area. He, 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 he was humble with it, but he said, is there not ten righteous? There? He talked him all the way down to ten. Now, out of, the, out of both nations, only ten righteous people. Now, that's a sinful area. That's a sinful area. Now, it says, now the two angels, now they're on their way. They came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Whoa, 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 stop for a second. I, I, thought, I thought a couple of chapters back, the brother was just looking. His pop tent was toward Sodom. He was looking. A couple of chapters later, that brother's at the gate. Wait a minute. I thought he just wanted to look. Lust, when it's conceived, draws you closer to it. Is this making sense? So now that brother is at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Lord, have mercy. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. So now what we see here is Lot has moved from looking at Sodom to being close to Sodom, right at the gate. Now notice he's at the gate of Sodom. <laughs> he's still trying to act holy, but he want to be close to worldliness. One foot in. So he act one way when he's around the Hebrews, but then when he get around other folks, he 
pretend to be extra. Uh, let me show you this. See, you can share this on social media under that hashtag. When your desires are carnal, your direction will be compromised. That's number two. Lot's direction in the valley was compromised based on his choices. Let me tell you something here. So when we begin to see things that are carnal, then our forethought is going to be on things on the earth. Therefore, if our thoughts are thoughts of the earth, how can our direction be the direction that God wants you to go in? So your desires, when your desires are carnal, your direction will be compromised. Because now, not only was he looking at Sodom, he's gone on in to compromise and be closer to it. Um, I.e., a woman says, well, you know, I know he don't go to church. You know, he's a good guy. You know, I'm just, I'm just looking right now. I'm just, I, I'm just popping my tent towards him right now, right? I'm, I'm just, I ain't close. We ain't, you know, I've never been to his house or anything. But he told me, yeah, yeah, we just friends. Yeah, yeah, we just friends. We, we, we just friends. And then, then that friend invites you over for Bible study at 11.55 at night. For Bible study. Yeah. Come on over. I want to read some scripture. I <laughs> Bring your Bible. <laughs> I want to I discuss some word with you. At 11.55. At my high. Now, yeah. Don't worry about the oil. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not talking about anybody in here. <laughs> I'm just, might be somebody that you know, you know. <laughs> so, in other words, you went from just looking to now you are in the vicinity. Now, you, you really close, right? You actually can touch it. See, this is where it becomes dangerous for a Christian. Because a lot of times a Christian will think that they're strong enough to be close to sin. Let me tell you something. Sin is not your friend. You better develop a Joseph anointing. And as soon as you see it coming your way, you need to turn around and run the other way. That's how we handle sin, because you ain't strong enough. Amen. Oh, let me rephrase that. I'm not strong enough. I'm not going in the area. Oh, no. That's why I don't, I don't counsel women. You want counseling? You got to talk to my wife. I ain't going in that office with you. I love you, but I love my wife more. Hello. So, no, I don't counsel women. Well, pastor, I just feel like, I, you know, I just need to talk with you. No, you can't talk with me. I had a woman say, no, I, can't, I, you, I just need to see the, the male pastor. No. <laughs> no, you're not going to see me. Now, if you want me in the room, I'll come in the room. But you're going to see my wife. 
And if that's not good enough for you, then this church is not good enough for you. And she left. Yeah, peace out. Why? It's not that I don't trust her. I don't trust me. I'm a man. And she don't trust her. Let me go to the next slide. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) We got some choices to make. You're either going to choose to live in sin or die to sin. You got to make a choice. Are you going to live in it or are you going to die to it? You can't do both. If you're unwilling to die to sin, then you are willing to live in it. Let me say that one more time. If you fail to make a decision, it is still a decision. If you fail to decide to live in a righteous way, you just made a decision to live in sin. Let me make sure I can look at all of y'all. Because some of us are failing to make decisions. And you think just because you're not making a decision, you're safe. You ain't safe. You're procrastinating. Okay, I got a mm-hmm and an aha and a hmm. So Lot went from pitching his tent towards Sodom to sitting in the gate. David went from looking at Bathsheba to say, yo, bro, who is that bathing beauty over there, boy? Go get that girl. Bring her up to my palace. I know she's married. Bring her anyway. So he went from just looking to lusting to conceiving. And then he gave birth to the sin of adultery. It didn't start off with an adulterous affair. See, it never starts off with candles all around the bed and Nice music and rose petals down the hallway. And you don't do it for your wife, but you'll do it for another woman. Maybe that's why your wife is mad at you, because you don't do it for her. Okay. I I heard it. I heard it. I know when I need to move on. I understand. Let's go to the next thing, because I got to go home. (laughs) Okay, here's the next one. 1914, let's go there, 1914. So Lot's desires in the valley were carnal. Lot's direction in the valley was compromised because when your desires are are, are carnal, your direction will be compromised. But Lot's decisions in the valley were costly. Let's look at Genesis 1914. Uh, 1912. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? This is the angels talking to Lot. Because the angels are saying, look at bro, uh, you, you better get on about it here like, like right now, because we're going to rain down hell on this place. 
So uh, do you have anybody else you need to grab and get on about here? That's, that's basically what's going on with this conversation, 13. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it, verse 14. So Lot went out and, <laughs> and spoke to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But his sons-in-laws... Um, he seemed, but to his sons-in-laws, it seems to be joking. Wow. So Lot's decisions in the valley were costly because now what he had to say about God wasn't credible. He lost all credibility. Now, when God is really coming, man, you're joking, right? You know, you was just drinking with us the other day. Why you bring up God then? You've been sitting in the gate all of these years, and you never said anything about God. You've been partying. You've been drinking. You've been cussing. You've been fighting. But now all of a sudden, you heard from God. Right. You're joking, right? This never happens, does it? It was costly because he couldn't save them now because based on how he was living, the people didn't judge him by what he said. They judged him by how he had been living. Amen. See, let me tell you something, saints. It's, you just can't say that you are a Christian. Because if you are, there are certain fundamentals as a Christian we just don't do. We shouldn't be cussing people out. I don't care how mad you get. You can't put your religion down. If you can put it down, then you never got it. There's a certain thing. There's a certain attitude we must have as Christians going forward. We must maintain some joy about ourselves. No matter what kind of valley that you're going through, you should have a smile on your face knowing that I expect to come out of this thing. Why? Because my prayer life is going to dictate what my future is going to look like. And if you ain't praying, you don't have much of a future. How about if God Bless your future based on how much you worshiped. What if, what if he blessed your future based on how much you prayed? <laughs> I ain't going to mess with that one. Uh, but it, 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 it could be costly. Lot had lived so long in that environment that the environment changed him. So let me, let, me just, let me just make this statement here, and for everyone that's listening to this by podcast. Amen. So Lot made some decisions in the valley that cost him. See, this is why I have to make it very plain in the church that I do not allow the environment to change the fundamentals of the faith. Just because something is culturally accepted doesn't mean that we have to accept it as a church. And even when we don't accept it, it doesn't mean that somehow I'm shallow because I don't accept it. See, I can love you. I just don't have to agree with how you live your life. 
And see, I can love you and I can love hard, but you cannot dare make me agree with a perverted lifestyle. I will never agree to it. The Bible will never agree to it. I don't care how they rewrite the word. I don't care how they requote the word. I don't care if this so-called theologian says that we misinterpreted the scriptures. The Bible is still true. The Bible said, let every man be a liar, but God is true. And as a church, we got to stand on the solid rock of Christ. Amen. And the gospel is counterculture. Always will be until eternity. Now, some churches are capitulating to the culture. The Methodist church has. The Presbyterian church has. Now Catholicism is capitulating. There are some Baptists who are capitulating now. The Southern Baptists now are thinking about rewriting their bylaws. Southern Baptists. Why? They have men who so-called men of God as their leaders who don't understand fundamentals. They may have a doctorate's degree, but they may not have wisdom. Now, I don't have the doctorate's degree, don't need one, because what I do have is wisdom. Because my wisdom comes from studying this, not studying any other book to help me learn this book. Anytime you have another book to help you learn this book, it is hinging on occultism, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's why they have the watchtower with the Bible. Why? Because the watchtower explains the Bible. When the Bible should be explained. See, when you got to have something else other than the word, then what you're doing is diluting and polluting the unadulterated, the inerrant. That's why when I preach, you don't hear no water running. You ain't hear no water running because why? I preached the unadulterated word of God and it's not always all friendly when you hear it. Why? Because when you preach the word, it causes you to change and you're not going to change if you don't get convicted. Hello, somebody. Now, if you want a watered down word, you can get that in a lot of places and you're going to feel really good about yourself. And you're going to leave that place in your sin, hoping something nice happens in your life because you really don't know, because you don't even really know if God is real or not. Do you know now, now, there is a large percentage of people who go to church but still don't believe God is real? Why? Because you got these so-called theologians who might be carrying a Bible, but they're not carrying the Holy Spirit. And I just happen to be one of the more crazy preachers that call that kind of mess out. And because I just finished writing my book, I'm so full of this stuff because I'm so sick of people mixing in church. And they're trying to mix the ungodly with the godly. They're calling evil good and good evil. They don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. It's mixture. 
Adam and Mrs. Adam got in trouble from eating from the tree of mixture. Are you here with me? I'm not angry, I, but I, I do. <laughs> I do want you to come back. But before you leave, <laughs> before you leave, put this out on social media. To make a difference, you must first decide to be different in your faith. See, Lot had allowed himself to look just like the men and women in Sodom. Therefore, when he tried to explain something contrary to what they had been listening to, it was foreign to them because he had no more credibility. See, saints of God, let me tell you this. When we are out cussing with folks, drinking and smoking weed and you know, you just, you just, oh, I just want to fit in with my friends. You're not supposed to be fitting in with your friends. If you want to make a difference, you must first decide to be different. Otherwise, you're not going to make a difference. Right? I, I don't care where I go. I don't care where we travel. We're still men and women of God, regardless of where we travel. It was amazing, too, because everywhere we went, they was trying to shove alcohol down us. And when we said no alcohol, they'd be like, no, no, no alcohol? <laughs> yeah, man, no alcohol. I mean, it's like as soon as you walk in the resort, here comes a drink. Right? And people just <laughs> acting a fool, out loud and obnoxious, don't even know what they're doing. About to roll up on a man of God. <laughs> but he went the other direction. Praise God. Because I was going to straighten him up. <laughs> you know, people get friendly when they get drunk, right? They want to touch and hug all on you. I don't do all that. I'm like, no, no, uh-uh. I'll do it in a nice way. No, mm -mm, nope. Nope, you don't know me. <laughs> but I'm going to pray that alcohol out of you, though. Stand still. Stop moving. <laughs> I can't lay hands on you when you keep. <laughs> Y'all still love me? <laughs> Go to 1916. This is the last verse, and then we're going to pray. 1916. I want to show you something. This is what happens when we compromise. 1916. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. Th this is an amazing text to me, saints of God. Lot knew that the city was about to be destroyed, and the Bible said he waited. He lingered. Wait a minute. You just tried to preach to somebody else about being saved. But you linger? He didn't even, he, the Bible said, y'all read it again. Did you, does your Bible say he lingered? Uh, some, some translations say he hesitated. <laughs> See, I, I, okay, 
I'm not the brightest person in the world. Let's just say I get some news that somebody was about to bomb this church. I just got this news, and it's credible. It's, 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 a, it's, a, valid, it's a valid assault, right? Okay, so I'm telling you, you guys need to get out of here. Nobody jumped up. He's like, I ain't lying. I was hoping that somebody was going to jump up real quick, but y'all know this is a story. But what if it wasn't? <laughs> what if it wasn't? Right? Now, now, I'm telling you, this place is going to be destroyed by God. Now, you look at me like, <laughs> yeah, right. you don't even speak for God. Right? Now, I know this place is going to be bombed, but I still hang around. Yo, man, yo, yo. Now the angels are at the door saying, Boy, you bitch, come on. Like a super usher. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I almost had to fight a usher one night. <laughs> I did. I almost had to fight. I ain't lying, I could have sworn he had an S on his chest. <laughs> All right. So Lot <laughs> hesitated. What does that say about Lot? He, okay, yeah, thank you. He was so comfortable in it. See, that's what the enemy will convince you. He will convince you to be comfortable in your sin. Why? Because this is how you know you're comfortable in it. You make excuses for it. That's when you know you've gotten real comfy in your sin. You start making, when people start coming to you and say, you know, you need to quit. Wait, wait, don't be judging me. What you talking about? Don't be putting your mouth on me. That's why, that's why I don't stand. I can't stand church folks because they always talk. No, we ain't talking about you. You doing wrong, boo. <laughs> Get your life right. No, I ain't judging you. You're just getting convicted by what I'm saying. If you was living right, you wouldn't be convicted. All right, okay, all right, all right. Y'all putting this stuff on Facebook? Good, because I want to see it. Amen. All right. So here's, here's what we have learned. Keep your desires free from carnality. This is, this is some of the valuable lessons we're learning right now from Lot's life. Don't let your direction get altered through compromise, saints of God. You know what? You don't have to compromise on your standards to be happy. I got to say that because especially because I know some single women might be listening to my, my podcast and all the single ladies, you do not have to lower your standards just to get a man. Amen. The moment you compromise on your standards, the moment you compromise on your standards, it's going to be costly. So we're learning. Keep your desires free from carnality. Don't let your direction get altered by it through comp compromise. And understand that bad decisions will be costly. Therefore, let me, let me close. When you're in the valley, make sure that you pray before you make any decisions. You need the wisdom of God because it's real easy when you are in your valley to just make a rash decision because you think it's right. Why? Because you got to make something happen. 
and the enemy says, it's got to be done right now. And sometimes you can make bad decisions. Write this down. God does not want us to just drift through life like Lot. He wants us to be an influence for him and live a life that matters. How many of you that are sitting here today want to live a life that matters? You want to live a life that really, really counts, right? You do? You do? Oh, no, I'm just going back to those so you can get those because the slides have flipped. So if you want a life that matters, then you got to make sure that you don't allow your decisions to take you into an area where you know you don't need to be. The first step is your eyesight, your eye gate. The first step into Lot's pitfall was what he saw. What he saw drew him in, sucked him in, because you're never going to be enticed by something you don't want. (laughs) See, everybody in here has an appetite for something. The enemy is not going to entice you with something you don't want. If you don't like little boys, he's not going to bring little boys around you. If you like a certain type of woman, color hair, hips, lips, fingertips, he's going to bring that kind of woman around you every time. Why? Because he knows your appetite. And the bait is, I'm telling you something, something. listen to me close and I'm done. I'm telling you something, I'm telling you something. I don't care how good the bait is. If you're not hungry, you're not eating. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.